0: folks, this is Riga Tozmasse Show, our second episode, this time with our president, David Stassov. Enjoy, cheers.
1: Is it me humanity slave to
0: the hello, hello. Welcome to the second episode of the Riga Tozmasse Show. I'm your host, Gabo, and this is uh, our guest, David. Hello, hi there. Welcome to the show, your second appearance. Second episode, second appearance. You have it two out of two.
1: (laughs) Yes, 100% so far. (laughs) So how do you feel today? I feel good. I'm relaxed, looking forward to this episode. (laughs) Okay, just uh,
0: to let you know, guys, we are sitting again in (laughs) David's flat, David's living room. We basically turned it into a podcast recording room. studio and uh, drinking some peppermint tea with, with honey, eating some chocolates and no alcohol this time. Just, not, just keep the level. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Alright, so we're going to start uh, today. We'll uh, interview David, uh, speak about his experience with Toastmaster, the beginnings of Toastmaster and maybe he will tell us more about himself as well. So, if you're ready David, uh, I would start maybe with the beginnings, Mm -hmm. how it all started. Maybe you can tell us how how the Toastmasters was founded as you were one of the founding members. Maybe you can elaborate on that as well.
1: Yes, well, I had actually nothing to do with founding the club. I was just (laughs) at the first meetings. I was already a member, mm. so basically our two founders were Maya Katletsova at that time and uh, Tatjana Titareva and they were both in, in Toastmasters clubs elsewhere. Um, Maya lived in Czech Republic for a long time, she was a member of a Prague club and um, Tatjana was in China I think. And, yeah, they came both back to Latvia and looked for a Toastmasters club and found out that there is none. So, uh, somehow they met each other mm-hmm. and uh, decided that they have to, yeah, found a club. Okay. And so they did and they... Um, Was it only those two? Maya and yeah Those were the two who had the idea and then they... Um, had the help of a third person, which was Igor Graus. Okay. And uh, he was our first president, actually. Okay. And so we had the first official meeting in November 2012. So we just uh, celebrated. No, 2011, of 2011. course. Uh, we first celebrated our five year anniversary last year. Exactly. Yeah. And. So I were... had not <laughs> anything more to do with it than being a, a member at the first official meeting. Okay, so. so so how did you... But how did you get to know about this?
0: There were three people who decided to fund this uh, club. and uh, how, did you
1: do, how did you get to know about this and how did you decide to, to join the club? Yeah, that was through Maya as well because I knew Maya um, from couch surfing, actually. We had regular couchsurfing meetings each week and... I went there regularly and Maya as well and at some point she came up with these flyers, interesting flyers with the Toastmasters logo on there and um, public speaking and so on and since I was studying or about to begin my studies in um, conference interpreting, I thought this Mm -hmm. would be like, public speaking would be really helpful for me as well. And so I was quite intrigued in the very beginning. And, she, yeah, she made a lot of advertising for it, actually, because that was before the first meeting. Okay. And that's how I found out about it, and that's why I came to the first meeting. Actually. Okay. Well, she's
0: very enthusiastic, so I can imagine she she did the promo. Yes. Well. Yeah, she did. <laughs> she still visits from time to time. I think she comes yes. once a year to for her annual one meeting. Uh, exactly. In the middle of the summer.
1: Yeah, and since she lives in Germany, I mean, she's... She's married to a German toastmaster. She's okay. a member of a German Toastmasters club. So,
0: okay, yeah. All right. So really you decided basically to join because you thought that it might be helpful for you to to be yes. a part of the Toastmaster. Yes. Yes. Okay. It's, can you tell us uh, how did the first meeting look like? How many people were there, and was it? Ooh. Um, was it way different than it is
1: now? Well, it was in um, at the premises of the the international chamber of commerce and industry Mm -hmm. and we were maybe 10 to 15 people as well wow that's quite quite okay could have been yeah maybe a bit less rather 10 than 15 (laughs) i don't remember (laughs) so well uh but we already had yeah two speeches or something Uh, i think Tatjana and Maya, of course, were among the first (laughs) ones to have speeches and they explained everything to everybody. They were the first Toastmasters. So it was actually quite easy to to get into the system and and learn how it's going. I mean, it's the same thing for for new members right now. They just learn from what the Toastmaster is saying and from how the other people do it. But back then there was no easy speak. No. No, we just started uh, working with Easy Speak as well and I okay. think Easy Speak itself was quite new so there were there were quite a few yeah, technical issues and it was not so easy. Not as easy as it now. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, no it's it's quite simple. Well, depends.
0: Maybe for new members it's still overwhelming too many too much information when they come.
1: Yes, but uh yeah, there's very much information is, yeah, that's true. But it has become much easier to to okay. deal with in general. Okay. So yeah.
0: Now, did you meet twice a week? Twice, well, twice or three times a month back then. Same same, same thing same as thing? now. Yes, we always we never changed that. <laughs> okay, but you changed. I guess it, it was never in Microsoft. It was somewhere else. I guess. Yes, it was in
1: this Chamber of Commerce and in Industry, for the first I don't know two years or something. Okay. And um, yeah. And then we went to the Microsoft offices. Okay. I don't remember really what the situation was like, why we changed. And, okay. and you've been a member ever since basically? Yes. Attending
0: on a regular basis, no yes. breaks? No breaks, no. <laughs> Crazy. And uh, can you tell us uh, how many rows, uh in the, in the board? Because you have the most experience in, in terms of uh, this executive
1: direction. The leadership direction. Well, I wouldn't say the most. One <laughs> the of the most. Experienced. Yeah. One of the most. Yes. Um, well, I have done most of the executive committee roles at least. Yes. Uh, I think I told that in the in the last podcast. I started with secretary, which is quite yeah. easy, and then I was sergeant at arms, and then I was treasurer, and uh, then I was vice president of education, and then treasurer as well, and yeah. So, now president for the first time. Yeah, okay. okay. Um, so, yeah, I've been on the board for quite a while. Okay, yeah. Now, as a Toastmaster, because you
0: initially joined to improve your public speaking skills and you thought that this might actually help you in your direction. Yes. Let's say career. Uh, but you've given only six or seven speeches. Yes. In six years, in five years. Yeah, six speeches in five that's years. A, it's quite low average, <laughs> I would say. Uh, so how, how do you look at this? Uh, do you still seek further, let's say, improvement on the stage? Or do you feel that
1: you've reached some level that it's okay and you don't want to go further? No, uh, that's not the case. <laughs> I don't think like I'm, I'm good enough, I don't need the training or something. Yeah. Um, and I think that would always be a mistake, no matter, no matter what you do, if you think that now I'm good enough, I don't need to practice anymore, yeah. um, sure. that could always prove to be a mistake. Uh, it's just, I don't know, my focus has changed, I think, over the time, and I, I really liked uh, the leadership track, and uh, also just what you learn from it uh, regarding organization of of your tasks or delegating or or, or all the things that I have to do with it and I I didn't just concentrate so much on the on the speaking Mm -hmm. and um, then once I finished my my master's degree in in conference interpreting I also recognized at some point that I probably wouldn't uh, continue interpreting so much like Mm -hmm. Uh, translating orally but um, I'm translating written texts more or less and um, that was also that influenced let's say the my motivation Mm -hmm. to give less speeches I guess okay but you still appear on the stage quite a lot especially these days when you are president Yes, and also before, when I was uh, VPE, I had quite a lot of announcements to say. I had to replace our president when she was not there. Um, So, yeah, maybe that was a factor as well that I feel like I have enough stage time and um, I have other things to prepare and to do outside of the regular club meetings. Uh, So that's why I'm not preparing so many speeches. Um, it just comes all together Mm. but I'm definitely I intend to continue (laughs) yeah yeah. definitely
0: when you when you have when you took a look when you take a look uh, your first Toastmaster meeting and your experience back then and your public speaking skills back then do you you feel
1: uh, you've made a significant progress uh, since then? it would actually be interesting to hear my first speeches Um, I think I have most definitely uh, improved my public speaking especially uh, regarding just my confidence my confidence on stage i'm not panicking at least if i have to go to the stage and say something i still don't always feel comfortable Mm -hmm. Um, but it is that has become much easier Mm -hmm. Uh, regarding actually the speaking skills themselves I don't know. I mean, I have done six speeches in five years, and that's not so much to to improve on. Um, So, well, I think there's a lot of space.
0: You you probably feel the difference between uh, taking any other role uh, compared to a regular speech. Because when you have this regular prepared speech, the atmosphere is just a bit different than when you, for example, do a general evaluator or evaluator or even table topic audience looks at you differently that's true, yes expectations certainly. are different
1: yeah, and for most of the roles you don't really have to prepare so well I mean, you have to prepare a yes, little bit you but you always things. have yeah, you always have this uh, this unknown factor if you, ever, if you are an evaluator you don't know what the speaker is going to say and you, yeah. so you don't know what you will be saying and so the preparation is much easier and uh, this, as a speaker, this is much different, of course. And this is also this also influences how you feel on stage. I mean, for me, I'm, I'm I'm much more nervous if I have to go on stage giving a prepared speech because I'm not sure will I remember everything, will my jokes have the intended effect, yeah. uh, and all these things. I don't have to think about any of that when I'm an evaluator or. Uh, I have another role, yes. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Now, in
0: terms of, uh, so you'll be president for another four months,
1: I guess. What is well, it? Five, basically. Five yeah, months. till the end of June. Oh, the end of June, okay. End of June. Yeah. We'll probably have elections in May again. Yeah. And yeah. the new board will start its work beginning of July. Yeah. yeah.
0: And uh, I remember we spoke about uh, your future plans. Uh, can you tell us what are you planning to do uh, within Toastmasters? Like, uh, If you're planning to maybe have more prepared speeches or do you maybe attend some content?
1: Do you want to attend mm-hmm. some content? <laughs> what, the, what are your plans? Well, my plans within Toastmasters are definitely to finish my competent communicator in, within this year. Mm-hmm. Oh, within this year. It's that good. is, yeah, it's this is my uh, very ambitious goal. I have uh, four <laughs> speeches to go. Uh, So, it should definitely be possible. Well, you know, to be honest, it it sounds ambitious,
0: but when I look at some guys within a club, they they freaking do one
1: speech a month. Yes, and then you could finish it within a year. I mean, and it's a lot of work, but you can finish your 10 projects in a year. So, I think those four projects, for me, is realistic. And... Yes, I think once I... um, like from from July I will be immediate past president I won't have so many other responsibilities so I'll also have more time mm-hmm. to prepare these things so. okay
0: good yeah I think we're looking forward to that moment to s- to see you finally back on the track yeah let's see yeah it'll be interesting to watch okay uh, now I would like to get a bit more tactical if you still remember how you Prepare your speech. Maybe this can be an inspiration for our new members or existing members as well. No, maybe you can tell us how you do it. Uh, for example, you are to give a eighth speech, I think. A speech number eight, I think. My next think one you know, will be number seven. Number s- oh, number seven, sorry. So, how do, how do you do it? Uh, how much time you take to select the topic? How much time it takes
1: you to well, write speech? I usually just collect ideas first Mm -hmm. and I sign up for a speech or I request the speech once I have the feeling, okay, I do have some ideas and I actually know what I want to talk about and I will be able within a certain time frame to to prepare my speech. If I can uh,
0: interrupt you, how do you collect ideas? Do you write them down as they come or? Yes.
1: I have gotten used to writing everything down once I have the idea okay. because usually you know, you think I will remember this afterwards this is such a good idea and I know I will remember yeah. and you never remember okay so yeah if I have an idea I write it down piece of paper or evernote or in my phone phone, phone, yeah, phone. yeah exactly and Well, sometimes I do something like a brainstorming session and and think about ideas or if I have a a topic I think about um, other content of my speech, let's say and once I I do have a few ideas. I try to make something like an outline, let's say and I usually just note down a few central points that I want to have in my speech on a piece of paper. Usually I use like an A4 size paper and try to use it from top to bottom and have, of course, the beginning on the top and the ending (laughs) on the bottom. But I have like a very uh, visual kind of way of working on it. So, So and a lot of times the first... A4 paper on which I worked is also what I rehearse my speech with at the very end of my preparations. And I tend to, when I don't know what was the next point, I tend to visualize that sheet of paper and uh, remember where on the page I had written it down. So that helps me. And this is mostly how I go along. And then I usually try to formulate the points a little bit more and I don't always have a perfect script, so all word for word written down. Sometimes I do, but mostly it's, it's just the main points and, okay. and I try to make up the, yeah, some parts of it, the missing parts. Okay, good.
0: So basically bullet points and then you even improvise on the stage. You just remember
1: and certain parts you say as they as they come to your mind yes, I try to remember as much as possible, but yeah. i I usually don't write it down word for word yeah I mean I've learned also in my studies that um, all the links are important to write down actually, mm-hmm. so uh, otherwise you'll also have you'll most of the time you will link your sentences with and mm-hmm. even even if they're opposites mm-hmm. so this happens. So often that I've gotten used to write down my links, actually, okay. how I'm going to make a transition yeah. from one topic to the next. But uh, I just don't have one text that flows from the beginning to the end. Okay. It's just in, in different spots on the paper. Okay. But okay. most of it is written down. I rarely do really improvise on the okay. stage. Yeah. yeah, definitely.
0: Cool. And then how, how long does it take you to, let's say, you have a speech next or Wednesday in two weeks or three weeks when you actually start preparing? When would you like to have your speech
1: ready as well? (laughs) I usually have it in the back of my mind then for the next two weeks and then in the last week I actually start writing down. Okay, so one week ahead. Yeah, usually it's quite late Mm -hmm. that I really start writing it down. But I try to finish the speech usually let's say three days before i have to give it oh my god
0: three days before you finish the speech and then you have three days for rehearsing that's what i try
1: most of the time and and it works actually three days or two days before i i try to finish it and um so that i have one or two days just to rehearse it like let's say two or three times a day and maybe improve something on it. This is like the ideal case. Mm. Of course, it happens as well Man, sometimes we that you finish us. it late uh, the evening yeah. before or maybe sometimes in the morning. Once I've had it, I think in, at the sa- on the same day. But I try to avoid this because it just stresses me. Yeah. <laughs> Man, we should
0: just set up an example and tell, tell our listeners, our five listeners that you oh, <laughs> should have it ready two weeks ahead and rehearse every day, at least twice a day. So it's perfect by the by the time you deliver. But uh, no, of
1: course. I mean, uh, if you have it two weeks in advance and you have so much time to uh, to rehearse it, it's it's great. But I yeah. think that I would definitely try to do this for a, for a contest speech or something. But oh, that's um, a different thing. Yeah. Because there you really want to have it as perfect as possible.
0: Yeah, that's yeah definitely it's a different thing. All right, so. Sometimes it's uh, really just a three-day situation for you, for re- rehearsing. And you said two, three times a day yeah. you
1: try to rehearse. Yes, probably it's a bit more than that. Depends okay. on how much time I have, of course. Uh, okay.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, so I guess we're looking forward to to your next speeches. Uh, do you have any any other tips when it comes to preparing for a speech, maybe for our members or- what would you advise them to do, or what would you tell them to avoid?
1: I, I don't think uh, there are any tips what to avoid, at least from my part. And it depends on, on, on how you prefer, prefer walk, uh, working. So everyone's different, and for me this visual aspect works very well so i have everything on 1 a4 paper no matter what no matter how long the speech is and even if i change something cross something out i just leave it the way it was a lot of times uh, but other people might might prefer other things so i don't know i don't have really any any general things i can like now mm-hmm. tell everyone off the cuff yeah okay
0: yeah makes makes sense uh... Do you, what would you what would you advise the new members or the the new guys who are coming to to the meeting and let's say they come for the first time, you know just to see the meeting and they don't know what's going on they are asking after the meeting how can they join the club, uh how would you maybe suggest them to progress as like what would be the first role they should take and uh, so if they become say, members yeah yes. like after becoming a member yeah
1: maybe you can encourage them a bit I think it's uh. Always useful to sign up for the icebreaker as soon as possible and give your first speech. And also, I really recommend to not forget the the leadership manual and uh, do the first projects there. Actually, the leadership manual is built up quite lo- in a logical way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, it's good to start with the first projects there are things like timekeeper and so those are the easier roles Um, of course you won't start with the difficult ones as general evaluator Mm -hmm. Um, also i think the speech evaluation comes in project two or project three i definitely recommend reading those projects as well especially for the leadership manual i think most people don't read it And in the beginning, I didn't read it either for every role. I read the first few projects and then I just took all the roles as I knew other people were doing it. And so I imitated actually uh, how they performed in their roles, which we see very often, but which is not always the ideal case. Because if someone performs a role in in a way that is not the best possible way and other people who just... Look at that performance, will think, okay, that's the right way to do it and try to imitate it. Yeah. But I think uh, there's always a lot of space for, for our own interpretations. And if you read the roles and you read what is the goal, actually, of that role, then, then you can interpret it in different ways. And so that's, that's definitely my recommendation, read the manuals. Um, which goes both for speeches and for the leadership track. And also ask your mentor, of course. They can always give some tips. And yeah, regarding the different roles in the leadership manual, I also think they do have different uh, a different focus each time you repeat a role. Let's mm-hmm. say the first yeah. time you're an evaluator or let's say a general evaluator, that you'll have to focus on one point, and the second time you do the same role for project number seven, let's say, uh, you will have a different focus of that role. So you will keep your eye on other things and uh, so, yeah, you can always interpret these roles and it's good if you can do it with your own note, personal note. I actually have to agree. Number
0: one, I think the role of, uh, of a mentor is uh, underrated. And mm-hmm. we should really start taking it seriously. Because this guy can give you a lot of useful tips. Yeah. It's basically like uh, speaking to a, an experienced member. And you can get a lot of inspiration, not only watching people on the stage, how they do it, but also try to get some different ideas and not only copy people who are on the stage.
1: Definitely, yeah.
0: I remember my first time when I saw... Uh, this girl Christine Machule, mm-hmm. she was a f- she was the toastmaster of the evening for the first time, and she did she did this different format which I really enjoyed. Uh, so right after the prepared speech, there was a there was an evaluation. Mm-hmm. Right after that, it was a huge shock, and nobody I guess had ever seen it before, but it's a normal
1: uh, practice in uh, other clubs, I think. Yeah, or we when when we were back in that. Um, old chamber of commerce and industry in, okay. the, in the beginning at the beginning of our club we uh we did that more often than okay. we do it now yes i mean
0: it, it can be a nice uh, nice change you know let's try to spice up things a bit yes but when sure. i saw this for the first time i'm like oh, what did what is she doing mm-hmm. she's like ruining the toadmaster but then uh, <laughs> after i saw the first evolution i'm like okay this makes sense you know it's another yeah. way how to you know change up things
1: yes and you have less time to prepare your evaluation of course Uh, you may not be able to write down so many things but on the other hand it's really fresh in your mind you really do remember most of the things you can react immediately and this is also an advantage and uh, i mean there will always be different situations in real life as well how you can give evaluations to someone so sometimes you have to give it immediately without preparation. That's what I'm talking
0: about, like we should really uh, leave our conference zone more often and not to have these meetings every time the same, so I'm really glad that that we are coming up with new ideas these days, Uh, could be even more often, but yeah, I think it's going the right direction and hopefully this mentorship program is run
1: by Animesh very well, so. It is, it is definitely, it has improved a lot, all the new members now have mentors and uh, I think he is giving a lot of information to all the people. He will be able to talk about it when you interview him, I guess. Yeah, he's uh, He coming. will be able to tell, tell you a lot about it. And yeah, he's doing a great job. Okay. All right, David. I think
0: we can uh, close this chapter of TOSMASFER, But I would still like <laughs> to open up another chapter. And that is maybe yourself. Uh, because... Many people don't know you outside of Toastmasters, and uh, not many people are fortunate enough to know you. <laughs> so maybe you can uh, introduce yourself, uh, who you are, what do you do?
1: That's a good idea, actually, because I've I've thought the same thing a lot of times. Uh, I don't know many members actually outside of Toastmasters. I, I imagine I know what they're like, uh, yeah, right? but I don't even know what they're doing, and... Like in yeah, in their working life and Yeah, well, right school, after Icebreaker is very interesting. Right yeah. after <laughs> Icebreaker we just don't know anything. We we know Viestor is a sales guy, <laughs> but that's it, you know, <laughs> because every speech is around sales. Yeah, so that's a that's a great idea. So well where should I start? Talking about work. Maybe
0: maybe you can tell us that uh, where do you come from,
1: actually. Very simple. Oh, all right. So, I'm actually half German, half Latvian. Oh, cool. I was born in Germany and I grew up in Germany. My dad is German, my mom is Latvian. And, yeah, that's where I went to school and I finished my bachelor's degree in Germany as well Mm -hmm. for translation. German, English, French. And then I decided I really want to use my Latvian because I grew up with Latvian as well. In Germany, you were speaking also Latvian with your mom. Yes, with my mom and with my brothers and sister. We always spoke Latvian at home. So I really wanted to use that, which of course was not possible in Germany. And also I felt like, hey, I'm half Latvian. I don't want to live my whole life in Germany. I need to know what it's like here. So I actually decided, I think, within a few weeks that I will just go right now. And so right after my bachelor's, I left. That was in 2010. 2010. I left Germany and came to live in Riga. Now, that was was for the first time that you lived in Latvia since you were born. Yes. Before that, I was here basically only in summer holidays. And uh, I I didn't really know the winter, only from what my relatives told us. Uh, But I... I love the summers here on the countryside, especially with my family and yeah, it was not such a, I don't know, such a courageous act, let's say, because I I had family here, I had somewhere to go, I was not like a a total stranger. And yeah, since 2010 I'm living in Riga and I first worked here um, in a company that produces books okay. as a project manager for the German market. Uh, I did that mainly to, to improve my Latvian because we, still, we had at home a, a strong German accent in our Latvin and <laughs> my ultimate goal was to um, do conference interpreting. Okay. And for that I need a, a high level of language. Mm-hmm. So, my initial plan was to work for one year and then start with the Masters program. And the one year became three and a half, but then, yeah, finally in in 2013, I started my masters and finished in 2015. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, uh, that was conference interpreting, and I do some interpreting jobs as well from time to time, but most of the time I'm actually translating written texts from Latvian and from English into German.
0: Okay. That's because cool.
1: German is still my my strongest language. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yes, that is the the story, how I came here, how I ended up here. <laughs>
0: That's an unusual combination, I guess, you know, native German and Latvian.
1: Yes, uh, it's quite an unusual one, I think. I mean, yeah.
0: work-wise, it will really helps you here, I guess. Uh, maybe it's the man for such people. I guess there's not many people on the
1: market who are native in both languages. Such yes, that's true. And for for some jobs, it is definitely an advantage. Uh, I I could be a German teacher every time I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that is not really my my strongest side. I have done this, um, but it's not my 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 favorite job as well. Mm-hmm. Um. For others, it's sometimes a disadvantage because if you want to work in any public place here, you need Russian as well. I never learned Russian at home. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I don't know any more than a few words, mm-hmm. basically. Um, can you,
0: can you <laughs> give us some uh, examples of Russian words you know?
1: Oh, <laughs> I don't <laughs> think I should. <laughs>
0: no, the wrong the wrong um, group
1: of words. No, I... I started uh, taking a few lessons last year, just because I knew um, a lady who had taken German classes with me before, and she was actually a Russian teacher. Um, And then I used Duolingo as well, so I, I know a few sentences which are maybe not the most useful category. Like, uh, this dog doesn't like apples or something like this. Yeah, it's typical yeah. <laughs> Duolingo sentence. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's, uh, yeah, it's basically a few sentences
0: only. Okay. So, what else? Uh, I, maybe I missed uh, what city in Germany uh, you, you, lived, you spent oh, a yeah, lot of time in?
1: I didn't say that. Um, so, I grew up close to Osnabrück, which is in the northwest. North, west. So, not far from the Dutch boiler, actually. From the Dutch border. Yeah, okay. and then I went to study... Is, is, is Bonn yeah. close? Or? No, Bonn is uh, more in the south. Like, it's west, it's, all, it's also west, but oh. it's more towards the south. Okay. It's uh, more south of Cologne already. Oh, Cologne, yeah, yeah this yes. area. But isn't it There's like Cologne two hours from, from... It's three, three and a half okay. hours by, by car. Okay. So, uh, Bonn is actually where I was born. And when I went to study, I went even a bit further south, uh, yeah. very close to the yeah. French border as well, to Strasbourg and so on. Okay, yeah. Um, very nice region as well. Freiburg, Strasbourg, the Black Forest, I guess. Is yes, that, not so far south. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Not at all on the same side, but... Uh, okay. Yeah. And your parents still live there? My okay. parents yeah. still live close to Osnabrück, yes, in the okay. northwest. Okay. Yeah. And your, your siblings... Are still there as, as well, well. Yeah, my sister lives in Bremen. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's nice. Not... Uh, my brother's at home. Okay. Yeah.
0: And you're the oldest, youngest? Mm-hmm, I'm the oldest. Oldest? All right. Yeah. Cool.
1: How old are you? <laughs> oh. Big surprise. <laughs> I thought that question was forbidden in um, <laughs> <laughs> No, this is. Uh... No, it's not. Um, How much do you earn? <laughs> that's forbidden. <Okay. laughs> that, that is definitely forbidden. I'm 31. Okay. So, yeah. So, what cream do you use on your face? That you look so young. <laughs> I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't eat. I, I don't, don't eat. I don't breathe. No, okay. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, I don't know. What, what influences that? Oh, actually. I, uh, this I'm, year I haven't been asked for my documents when I wanted to buy beer, so...
0: Oh wow! <laughs> I'm making a progress. Something's yeah. wrong. Did you change your diet? <laughs> I don't know. Well, actually, on the last meeting, that I had an idea uh, to speak about food a bit because I there are rumors that you might be
1: a vegetarian. <laughs> Those rumors are true. Okay. Yes. I think it's uh, yeah. In large parts of uh, my. My friends and, and acquaintances, it's it's a known fact. yes, okay. more than a rumor. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, sure. That is also a thing which is um, has been in our family for a, quite a while because my mom's family, they also grew up as vegetarians, most of them. Oh, and that's, that's so I, I did as well. I have never in my life eaten meat. I mean, I've tried some mm-hmm. things from time to time, but um, I was not used to them, of course. I didn't like them so much yeah. and... Um, well not to say i didn't like them at all so yeah okay what what is uh,
0: your reasoning uh, or what uh, how was it explained to you by your i guess it was the influence uh, of your parents initially and then in, once you grew up you decided that this is the thing you want to follow
1: yes well it was um my my dad is not a vegetarian but he he has never eaten a lot of meat anyway so um, and just for he our listeners uh, to understand uh, i've met bo- both of uh,
0: david's parents and you all look very healthy so
1: yeah for sure i, uh, I i'm quite convinced as well that you don't um, need meat to grow up because i know there are people who say a child at some point does need meat Definitely. And afterwards, the child can decide whether they want to eat meat or not. Uh, I'm... Well, I don't agree with that Mm -hmm. point of view. In my opinion, you can perfectly grow up without meat and still decide later if you want to eat meat or not. Of course, then you will more likely uh, stay a vegetarian. But uh, my uncles, for example, have decided starting to eat meat. Like mm. two of them, okay uh, because at some point in school they just there was no vegetarian option, not not really okay, so they just started eating it okay. it's, it's, it's possible definitely, uh, but I'm happy I grew up this way, and I yeah, apart from trying some things here and there when I was a teenager, um, I never had the idea I, mm-hmm. I should eat meat, and yeah. I think well there's a More or less the the obvious reasons, uh, most of the production process, mass production, that is a large part of all the meat you can get, of course that counts for different other things as well. Uh, But it's also treatment of animals in general Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I don't know, I just, I don't need it. Okay.
0: Yeah. So you don't miss it at all physiologically or something? not at
1: all okay no i've never had any deficiencies uh, yeah your blood are good yes they all doctors were always very happy when i when i went to donate blood okay. <laughs> so yeah okay good
0: uh just uh, maybe i will say my humble opinion i'm not a vegetarian myself but uh, i really agree with most of the uh, arguments of vegetarians or even Mm -hmm. vegans, which is even more extreme. Mm -hmm. I think uh, if you take care of the sources of the meat and you really are careful with uh, what you're buying, yes, uh, I will not, I will not now fight against uh, Remy or all these uh, big chains of uh, supermarkets. But uh, I don't think it's the best idea to buy meat from from them. Definitely. Yeah. I also stick to eating meat maybe once or twice a week. I still like my steaks, but I go to the farmer's markets to to get yeah. it and so on. So I I sympathize with the vegetarians, but uh, only as, as as long as they have uh, such reasons as you have, because sometimes I just hear an answer that I don't know. It's, I've heard it's good, you know, and they, they actually don't know why they are following.
1: Yeah, in general, I think uh, people. Just, well, everyone should leave the choice uh, to the people. I would never try to convince anyone you have to become vegetarian or something like this. Um, I think it is it is definitely a good thing, but I would never try to yeah. to impose it on someone. But I think those, those two points that you mentioned are actually the most important ones. If you eat meat, first of all, you don't need it every day, definitely, because that's not yeah. the most healthy thing. Yeah and uh, second of all you should look where you you where you get it from um a farmer's market is definitely a better choice than the cheap meat in the supermarket that's there's just no question about it it's not only about how the animals are treated and so on it's also about all the anti antibiotics that have to be used that end up in both our body and in all the um in the water yeah, there are de- these two sayings, you know, you are what you
0: eat, and there's another saying, it's it's kind of this newer one, you are what you eat, eat, you know, or what you what you eat, ate, or something like this, you know, and mm-hmm. it basically applies to what you just said, that uh, not only you are eating the meat, but you are also eating what the animal, you are eating ate before, because yes. I mean, if the animal is fed by corn or just whatever they they give them, of course, you know, yeah. like you cannot expect that the meat grows healthy, you know, and then yeah. you are eating that, so...
1: And that's the case, and that, that's the most important for me, and uh, this counts not only for food, I think food is of course one of the most important, uh, yeah, aspects in our life in general, but um, I have the same opinion about clothes, about uh, all other... Um, devices I use, yeah, electric devices, whatever. I always try to get them in a in a fair way, in a sustainable way, in an ecological mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try to, I don't know, buy used computers or I don't need always the newest phone. Something like this. You know? So there, there are ways, and and for me and my my conscience, it's. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the best way. Okay. <laughs> Good. No, I, that's uh, that's that's really. I'm happy
0: to hear that. Uh, and I actually noticed that you also treat plastic and uh, cans and waste differently than uh, you raise awareness of other people around you that uh, you don't push them. You just show them the other way how to do it. And I think this is important, uh, as I don't see it in Latvia being uh, so developed. This uh, this direction of recycling and separating and not. Yeah, nice not, yet, not yet, not mm-hmm. yet, but it's, it's coming, I it's and
1: um, I don't know, I've recently found uh, out about this homepage, uh, this Facebook uh, group, Zero Waste Riga, okay. and um, there are quite some active people who try to improve things, who inform others, yeah. and it's, yeah, of course it's, it's difficult to, to produce zero waste, yeah. um, but there are always a few easy things to improve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what I try to do. I don't try to change my life from today to tomorrow like uh, hundred and eighty degrees, but I try to implement the things that that are easy to do and okay. yeah, I go step by step. Yeah. All right.
0: Before we jump into politics and religion, no, <laughs> <laughs> we we will uh, omit this uh, this part for, for now. But there's uh, there's one thing that uh, I'm interested in. Maybe people will be also interested in, and that is uh, maybe. You've told us about your job and and what do you do? Yeah. Can you tell us how your how your de- day uh, looks like? How does your let's say ideal day look like? How, like what time do you wake up? What do you do? Oh, that so. is an interesting
1: question. Well, I try to be. Um, <laughs> let's see. Yeah. So. I try to be disciplined about this, yeah, because I'm I'm a freelance translator, so I work most of the time from home, mm-hmm. which also brings a few problems with it from time to time. You always find different things to do, and uh, you can sleep in sometimes when you're really really tired <laughs> or yeah. not so tired. Uh, but no, I try. I usually get up at. I would say a reasonable time, maybe uh, around seven, if it's possible, mm-hmm. okay. and uh, start working in the, in the morning, because I'm most productive in the mornings. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're the morning person. Yeah. Seven seven is quite early for some people. Yeah. I nice sound. Yeah, it might be, but... Um, Do you breakfast? I eat breakfast usually after I've done a little bit um, of okay. either work or research or whatever I mm-hmm. need to do in the morning. and uh, But mostly I, I try to not work like the whole day and concentration-wise it's quite difficult anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but I try to do some, some hobbies in between, do either some sports or some music uh, in the afternoon. And yeah, then most of my evenings are taken with uh, either toastmasters or choir. Okay. Uh, or I go to play basketball as well. Okay. So yeah, this you need this balance as well. Uh, yeah. Your brain work and physical work. Yeah. Okay. And only then I can really sleep well. Mm-hmm. but i try from time to time as well to to change my my um place of work to go to either the national library or some other place okay just because it's it's easier to concentrate wholly on your on yeah. your work okay
0: yeah. yeah and i guess it's kind of irregular so sometimes you work eight hours sometimes five
1: sometimes maybe 12 definitely no you can't really as a freelance translator you will n- never have like a a regular 40 hour week you cannot plan to work 8 hours every day um, mm-hmm. there will be a lot of days when you have less hours but of course if you have a, an urgent project or whatever you will also have 12, 13, 15 hour okay. days and yeah. uh, recently I, I received one project when a person um, a very desperate person called me on Sunday evening at 10 o'clock and, oh. and uh, asked me whether I could translate uh, a presentation of... Uh, PowerPoint presentation of like 120 slides until the next morning until Monday morning. Oh really? So um wow. After after we agreed on the conditions, yeah, I actually worked uh, worked the whole night through. Yes, I have finished at uh, 7 in the morning, I think. Wow. Um sent it and yeah, I went to sleep for a few hours. <laughs> very
0: good, very good. I guess it was worth it then, you know.
1: Yes, and uh, but these are things that are just sometimes needed yeah, very I mean this uh, is how you
0: build reputation as well
1: right like of course it's... yeah and you just ha- have to be flexible stay flexible yeah. okay. and that's one thing that I like about it sometimes I think okay a regular uh, working time would be would be easy yeah. and once you come home from work you don't have to think about anything related to work anymore but actually this um, this flexible way has a lot of okay yeah, opportunities. And yeah. Advantages.
0: True. Yeah. <laughs> do you then, uh, in terms of rituals, do you have any morning or evening rituals? Like, what do you do in the morning? How the How does like the first sixty to ninety minutes uh, look like? I don't really have these rituals now.
1: Okay. So it's really random. Sometimes you wake up and you work. Sometimes you. It depends yeah. on the situation. Yes, if I have a lot of work, I usually I really stand up, turn on my computer and start working, make myself a, a tea or a coffee and um, after three, three hours of work, I have breakfast. Uh, other times I really, I maybe, I don't know, look at the NBA results first and uh, yeah, yeah. have a little breakfast and start working after one or two hours it happens as well. I understand, yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of wild. In the evening, I guess the same, the same thing. Not yes, more or less. Okay. Yeah, I have m- most of the working day evenings I have planned with some mm-hmm. yeah. uh, hobbies. So usually I I return at around ten o'clock and then I if I don't have a lot of work then I use mm-hmm. the rest of the day to <laughs> yeah just relax. Okay. Well, that's uh, I think we've had a
0: we've had an interesting conversation. I I believe uh,
1: our listeners know you better by now. I certainly do. Yes, there are not a lot of people anymore in the club who have heard my icebreaker speech. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, what it's is like it? Four, four and a half Vanda years ago. Yeah. yeah, Vanda heard it, right? Yeah, it would be interesting to know if she remembers. I will that, uh, ask her next time. I think she might be the next one, next one on the list. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anything anything else you want to you want to add?
1: I don't know. It's uh it's always interesting to know these things about people. So, I'm also looking forward about just talking to people about it, uh about either things we've mentioned or things we've not mentioned. Uh yeah just happy to have nice conversations Uh, also get to know all the other members I mean I think you will do the podcast in an ideal situation with all the members of our club let's see how long that takes
0: but But 2020 hopefully we're ready
1: yeah well luckily (laughs) we have new members every week so (laughs) exactly still some work so just uh, I don't know come talk to me if you're interested (laughs) Yeah, actually, there's uh, there's plenty of
0: opportunities to do that. Uh, one is right after Toastmaster meeting. Every Wednesday, we usually go to Burga. Exactly. Now I can say we go to Burga. <laughs> <laughs> because before you didn't join, yeah. yes. Exactly. <laughs> so we go to Burga or somewhere else. So there's a chance how to how to get to know about the people more, not only yeah. about Toastmasters. And yeah, have a nice little chat. And what else? We try to organize some team buildings every once in a while. Once exactly. that is also planned for 2017.
1: Yeah, we have one coming up, right? Mm, yeah, it should be
0: announced soon. Uh-huh. And good. then, yeah, these podcasts will be released,
1: hopefully, on a regular basis. Yeah, that sounds good. Can we already uh, disclose that the uh, social event might have something to do with cheese? Oh, yeah, we can <laughs> Just as a teaser. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it will have something to do with cheese and
0: perhaps some wine and local Latvian food. There's something to look forward to, definitely. And uh, I think I think we're done here. What do
1: you think, David? All right, uh, I'm happy. And well, let's see whether we get some feedback. Yeah. (laughs) Alright, guys. So
0: thank you for listening, and see you next time. Bye, bye. Ciao.